On today's episode of Locked On NHL, we're going to talk about the Calgary Flames. They have a new GM, and what will what does it mean for the organization going forward, and how will things play out for them this offseason? We'll talk about the Arizona Coyotes. They might not be playing in Arizona for much longer, or will they? We'll talk about that and their whole situation, and then, of course, we'll send you on your way with the talk of the Western Conference Final. The Dallas Stars down 0-2 to the Vegas Golden Knights, but looking to turn the series back in their favor in game three all of this and more coming up on a tuesday episode of locked on nhl your locked on nhl your daily podcast on the national hockey league part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hi and hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast, Western Conference Tuesday edition. Uh, I am your host, Dane Lewis, and joining me today uh, is Seth Topal of Locked On Minnesota Wild here to talk all things Western Conference, uh, not just the playoffs, although we will talk about the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights, but we're also going to talk about a few teams that did not make the playoffs, but still uh, plenty of headlines to discuss. But before we begin, Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Be sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast at. We're always free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And Seth, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you on today. I know I've been solo the past few weeks, so it's nice to, to have another voice here as we walk through what's been a, a crazy past few days or so in the Western Conference. Glad to be here. And it does feel like there's been some nugget of Western Conference news almost every day for the last couple of weeks. And so there are uh, there are plenty of uh, plenty of meaty morsels to uh, to dig into here today. Yeah, you hit it, the nail right on the head. And we'll, of course, start north of the border with the Calgary Flames. And there is a, a new general manager in town, Craig Conroy. It'll actually be made official, uh, at least from everything I could find, on Tuesday. So by the time people are hearing this, uh, I, I believe that there's going to be an introductory press conference and he'll get to speak with the media. But it seems like we're starting to get some answers to some of the questions, that several questions that have been left in Calgary uh, since the end of the season. A team that had high aspirations after making the playoffs last year. The roster looks pretty different with the departure of Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk mainly, but there was still a lot of belief that they can make the postseason. They don't do it. Daryl Sutter out of the picture now as head coach. And Seth, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, because I know this is a topic that has been discussed on this show at nauseum. Even while you know we're talking about the playoff race or the trade deadline, it seemed like the Calgary Flames just kept rearing their head throughout the season doing their best to stay relevant. And to their credit, they did a very good job and they're continuing to find a way to do that. Even in the midst of, you know, two conference final series, as we're getting closer and closer to deciding a champion here in the NHL. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on this decision here in Calgary and what you think some of the implications will be going forward uh, for this organization as the offseason gets underway. You know, it is interesting because you would figure after what happened to the Flames this past season, a team that just they had a ton of talent and it just didn't translate. I, I think it's pretty evident now that a lot of the problems were just the message from Daryl Sutter was getting to be pretty toxic. I mean, you had 
numerous players even that had requested trades unless something was done. So Sutter's gone. Uh, their former GM was allowed the opportunity to seek additional employment. And then basically it was, yeah, we're, we're going to go in a different direction. And I wonder if that was done because of some of the external candidates that were available, because a lot of times in these situations, you go with the outside hire to try to bring a new perspective in and to try to see if you can get a different set of eyes to look at the roster and say, okay, it's a good roster, but if we do this, this, and this, maybe we can get a little bit further. I think what we're seeing is that by promoting essentially from within, there's some belief that this roster is still in a position to be able to do some good things. And so it's not that they necessarily are looking for an external voice. They're looking to just kind of reinforce what, uh, what they had done. Two years ago, I mean, before the big trade, it was one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And so obviously a lot of that talent's still there, trying to get some of the pieces to coexist. The big one here is going to be which route they go at head coach because you've still got some interesting names out there. And I find it interesting, too. We're starting to get more and more chatter about Stan Bowman and Joel Quenneville coming back into the picture. Now they have to meet with Gary Bettman and be reinstated before being able to, uh, to seek jobs. But you just wonder if some of those other names, I know Mark Bergevin is another name that is very popular in GM searches this off season. You wonder if they just saw some of the external options and were like, you know, maybe we just, Maybe we just elevate from within and by all accounts, very well regarded uh, within the uh, the Flames front office. So obviously knocked it out of the park with the interview process. But it's it's just interesting because it seemed like this was going to definitely go one way. And then all of a sudden things kind of shifted a little bit. Yeah, certainly. And it is interesting that you hire from within. But obviously, like you said, that there seems to be a lot of belief that, you know, Conroy is the guy that can take care of business. And now it comes down to, you know, who's going to be leading the team, like you said. And that it's so important, especially with this roster. With, I mean, it's not a bad roster at all. I mean, Jonathan Huberto comes over from Florida. He was an incredible player with the Panthers. And I just have a hard time believing that he's, you know, quote unquote, washed up now or, you know, his better days are behind him. I still think he can play at a high level. Uh, Lindholm, Toffoli, Nazem Kadri won a Stanley Cup with the Avalanche last season. Michael Backlund. I mean, these there are very good players on this team. And I was under the belief that it was kind of a, a Daryl Sutter problem of, you know, coaching was holding them back. So, I mean, if they nail the, the head coaching hire, regardless of who it is, and obviously this is very speculative with how far away we are from the regular season, let alone the postseason. But, I mean, do you think it's too far out of the picture to think that we could see the Flames in the playoffs next season? Or, or do you think this will be, you know, a team that's kind of caught in no man's land where they're not a bad team, but they're maybe not ready to compete? Do you think that coaching could make that difference with this roster? Or do you still think that there's something that would be missing uh, from from this team in order to, to, you know, get them back to where they were a season ago, where they were expected to be not just, you know, make it to the playoffs, but go a few rounds deep and make some noise when they're there? I think it could be a situation because I think one of the things that stuck out to me most 
was the reports that the Flames didn't practice power play like at all during the season. And that's kind of concerning. Like you go through the season and I know, I know there's this new push. Um, the Minnesota wild are, are one of the teams kind of on the forefront of this is practice less. You monitor players throughout the week to try to find when you have that optimal practice time. And so teams maybe aren't necessarily practicing as much as they used to, but to go a whole season without working on a critical component for your special teams unit. That's something that I feel like even a, just a different spin from a coach could easily fix. And so I think you get some of that, you get a new voice, you get somebody that instills some belief in these players, as opposed to just essentially cutting down everybody based off of, of their performance. I think you just flip that. And I think it could be a situation where this team finds himself in the postseason next year, because as you alluded to, you said some of those players and Jacob Markstrom is another one too. They've got a good roster. They just need the right voice to lead them to where they want to go. Yeah, Jacob Markstrom and even Dustin Wolf, who, who came in and got to play a game at the end of the season. I know there's a lot of fans in Calgary who are excited about him and his arrival and who, who knows what moves they could look to make here in the offseason uh, in terms of you know trades. I wouldn't expect anything blockbuster-ish like we saw with them last offseason, but they could make some sneaky good moves, uh, trade, free agency, or you know even in the draft of guys that you can get excited about in the future. And, and you know I think this is a, a nice step in the right direction, I'm sure, for Flames fans of getting an idea of what their team's going to look like next season. Because I know it's not always a fun position to be in where you miss the playoffs, and it seems like you know the organization is cleaning house a little bit in terms of personnel in the front office and, of course, behind the bench too. So I know Flames fans are, are ready to get a little bit of a clearer picture of what their season is going to look like next year. But from one team uh, in the on the western side of the continent to another, we're going to move down south and talk a little bit about Arizona, an organization that also would like a clearer picture of what their future might look like. But the answers might not be coming as quickly, and it might not be an answer that Coyotes fans want to hear. But we'll talk about that here in just a second, right after we say thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have, whether it's the NHL playoffs and the conference finals or the Stanley Cup final. Baseball season is in full swing. You can go catch a game with Game time, you can download the app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, you can create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Just download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you again for making the Locked On NHL podcast your first listen every single day. Dane Lewis, Locked On Stars. Seth Topal, Locked On Minnesota Wild here, walking you through the biggest headlines in the Western Conference. Thanks to all the everydayers out there who make Locked On NHL part of your daily routine. Uh, we're free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen, whether that be on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And Seth, now we're talking about a team in the Central Division, a team that we're pretty familiar with as they've been a member of the division now for two seasons, the Arizona Coyotes and 
some not great news uh, coming on the Coyotes front here in the past week or so. Uh, of course, there's a big hearing about the idea of building a new arena in Tempe where that would really just be an entertainment district outside of just an arena. Uh, big plans for the Coyotes to move out of Mullet Arena on Arizona State's campus and finally get back into their own building with an onslaught of young talent and hopefully more on the way with, you know, this year's draft and drafts to come, but they, they were denied. And, and now the future is unclear for the coyotes, whether or not they'll be staying in Arizona, whether or not the organization is going to be relocated, just an absolute mess. And, and I feel awful for, for Arizona coyotes fans. I know that there's always, you know, the jokes about, about the team and the fan base, but at the end of the day, there, there are people who care about this team that are very passionate about this team. And it, it I don't know what that feels like to have a team potentially get taken away. And so I can only imagine uh, the uncertainty that the team and the fan base is facing right now. But were, were you surprised to hear this news or, you know, is this something that you think you were kind of expecting just given how hockey has gone uh, really ever since it came to Arizona? You know, it's interesting because it felt like a pretty solid pitch to where, Hey, this is, this is going to be one, that uh, I think everybody can be can be okay with and that we can make work to provide a viable home for Arizona Coyote hockey. And then it doesn't pass. I know there are a bunch of different reasons as to why um, that, that are probably more. Uh, I, I know they've been uh, been gone over at uh, Locked on Coyotes. And so a bigger, more elaborate explanation as to how that all went down yes. um, is is definitely available over there. You get to now the other parts of this that are unfortunate for those diehard fans in Arizona. You get the other communities that we're starting to hear about that are starting to line up their pitch for the NHL because that's where this goes now is the NHL is going to explore all options. And so... If they want to keep the team in Arizona, there are going to be, I'm sure, a couple of other pitches that are put together to try to keep them. But now you're competing with different communities throughout the country that have been waiting for this opportunity forever and are probably going to be able to put a pretty appealing package together to make it happen. In some cases, there are arenas that are already built that may just need some renovations. And so this is where it gets this is where it gets a little dicey and I find it ironic that a big time example of this happening happens to be between our two teams a little bit before our time. Yes. The North Stars heading to Dallas and so I know a little bit about the uncertainty of waiting to get a, uh, a new franchise and with all these other options available around the country, if the NHL looks into further expansion, how far up that list would Arizona be if they opt to relocate uh, and, and go somewhere else? I mean, I'm going to be an Atlanta Thrashers fan probably for my entire life. And so the thought of a potential revival there, I know it's a long shot, but, the thought of a revival there is exciting to me, but mainly I think the the worst part about this is just anytime you have a team that relocates or moves, you have a just as passionate of fans as you can possibly find. 
that just get left in the dust. I know St. Louis had it happen when the uh, the Rams went to Los Angeles. You have a very passionate football community there that now has really nothing to to cheer for. And that's that's part of the business, but it's the kind of the ugly side of the business too. And um, I, I really don't know how this is going to play out. I, I know the NHL is is starting to try to move the wheel, but it feels like however this plays out, somebody is going to end up not getting what they want. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's just how it has to be. And that, I mean, it's unfortunate. Like you said, someone is going to get left out, get their feelings hurt, feel deserted. And again, it just feels unfair for Coyotes fans who, you know, had a kind of surprisingly fun team to watch at times. I know the Coyotes weren't a great team, but I know the Stars played them four times. And in all four games, the Coyotes played incredibly hard. And I think only one or two of those games were were blowouts. Like some of the other games were close and competitive and they have some really good young players. Clayton Keller had 86 points this season. I feel like he was not talked about enough just because Arizona wasn't as relevant as a team. But I mean, they have other guys on the way. I know Logan Cooley, a lot of guys are excited about him. Who knows who they're going to get in this year's draft? I mean, there are young pieces there in this organization that, you know, it's not too far-fetched to think that if they, play their cards right and maybe make a few other good moves either in the draft or if they can trade for a good, a few players like this could be a competitive team in maybe two or three seasons, like maybe battling for a wild card spot and at least playing meaningful games, you know, in March and April. And it just feels unfair that these coyotes fans who have a lot of them have been around since day one and supported this team, whether they've been in a big arena or whether they've been in mullet arena, even, you know, in in the bubble, I know it was kind of a, a short lift, playoff run i know it wasn't an actual playoff run but i mean that, that was there was some excitement there for the for the organization and now it feels like it could all get get taken away and you know you throw out atlanta i know i, I know houston is maybe one of the more popular sites that a lot of people that know a lot more than i do say that that could actually happen and of course i'm sure the nhl would love to have another rivalry of two teams in texas and i even plenty of my friends are that i you know are from houston or from the area would love to have a team there because they support all the the Houston teams and baseball, basketball, and football, but then they're Stars fans because that's all they have here in, in Texas. So there, there's that. I know Quebec is also a long shot, but there's people that want that. I've heard Hartford get thrown out there. I mean, all, all kinds of crazy theories, Salt Lake City. So I, I'm interested to see if it does move on from Arizona, the, the organization, where, where they look to go next because there's a lot of intriguing ideas and a lot of potential, but also at the same time, not fun for, for Arizona and their fans and for the, the organization. I mean, there's players that, you know, have wives, have kids, have families. I mean, that that is not just an easy decision to say, all right, well, we're moving to fill in the blank city. So, you know, say your goodbyes and, you know, relocate your family to another part of the country or maybe even an entirely different country, you know, depending on if, if the expansion does happen to be in Canada. Well, and the, and the other part of it too, and I know, the ability to cover a team remotely exists, but a lot of the people that cover yes. Arizona right now, including yes. our colleagues, um, that that's all stuff that gets, that gets factored in as those are, are people that stand to potentially lose in that situation. So it's, it's going to get a lot of coverage and rightfully so uh, as it plays out. But um, I think the thing that's going to be, most interesting for me is just what some of these pitches 
from these communities look like? What do we see from Houston? What do we see from Salt Lake City? What what do we see from some of those other areas to really try to make this happen? Because some of them are going to put something together that maybe doesn't make sense, but there will be some that are very, very viable uh, to make this happen. Absolutely. And we're, this is something that we'll be keeping an eye on until the saga ends. I'm sure throughout the offseason, there's going to be a ton of new developments into this storyline. And, and you know that we'll be following it. I know, like you mentioned, our colleagues over at Locked On Coyotes, they're going to be following this as well, uh, probably even to a closer and more extreme degree than we will. Uh, so again, like, like Seth said, if you're interested in more information on the hearing and how the decision was made and some of the fallout from that hearing, uh, I encourage you to go check out the information Locked On Coyotes. You can find them on YouTube or your podcasting platform of choice. But to wrap up today's show, we're going to transition into a little playoff talk, Game 3 of the Western Conference Final tonight as the series has moved back to Dallas and the Stars find themselves in unfamiliar territory here in the postseason, down 0-2 to the Vegas Golden Knights. And we'll dive into what we can expect in Game 3 coming up next. Final segment of Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. Dane Lewis, Locked On Stars. Seth Topal, Locked On Minnesota Wild. Here to send you on your way with a little bit of a discussion about tonight's Game 3 in the Western Conference Finals. And like I mentioned right before we went to break, the Dallas Stars in a bit of a weird spot. This is the first time that they've lost consecutive games in the playoffs and really are behind the eight ball here to a very deep and very good Vegas Golden Knights team. And Seth, I'm glad you're on today's episode to offer a little bit of an outsider insight because I know sometimes just with how closely I follow the stars, I sometimes see things maybe not from as broad a view as I can. So I'm interested to hear an outsider's perspective on what you've seen in this series and how you kind of feel like the ice has shifted because I personally believe and even have talked to other people that in game two kind of felt like Dallas was maybe the better team. And then they made a few cr- like critical mistakes, some turnovers uh, and some bad line changes down the stretch of game two and into overtime. And now they find themselves down 0-2. So I- I'm kind of curious to hear an outsider's perspective on what they've seen in-, in the first two games and maybe what they're expecting to see in game three. You know, it, it is interesting because I'm I'm with you on game two that I I thought Dallas really did a good job of being the the team pushing the action, being the team in attack mode. It, Vegas just th- this is what they've done all season. They just have a ton of depth. They have a ton of lines that can hit you in a bunch of different ways. They're very physical. I think the biggest thing that we're seeing played out to perfection is the ability for them defensively to just completely eliminate the middle of the ice. They take away any sort of lanes in front, whether it be trying to get bodies in front of the net, whether it be to simply, you know, passes across the zone to set up shots. They just do such a great job of just turning that into an area that you aren't able to get any footing. And for a goalie in Aiden Hill, who has been, he's been good in the series to yes. say the least, but to have that decor be able to do that and those forwards to be able to help him out by just making it so that it seems like every shot that he faces is from the perimeter or is a clean look. Uh, this is something that that I had a chance to see a lot with the Wild this year is just trying to make it so that your goalie is put in positions to make 
what you would call average saves. If you can keep a team from getting right up to in front of the net, you're going to make your job a lot easier for your goalie. And on the, on the flip side of it too, for Dallas, you got to feel, I don't come out of those two games feeling super discouraged. I mean, it comes down to a, a bad break here, a bad break there, but it's not like you're losing six or seven to one. Like you've been on the wrong end of two overtime games. Now, if you want to point to the game two, giving up a goal in the last couple of minutes to tie the score and then giving up uh, the, the overtime winner uh, about a minute and a half into overtime. Yeah, that's a discouraging one, but you played really well for most of game two. And so now you get a chance to flip it. This is a series two, and this probably sounds cliche, but I think last change makes all the difference in this series. It's such a chess match between Pete DeBoer and Bruce Cassidy. Having that last change and being able to try to dictate matchups that will allow you to get to the front of the net more often um, is everything. And so for Dallas to be down 0-2, uh, you, you just have to come out swinging in, in game three on your home ice and you win game three and you're down all of a sudden two games to one right back in it. Yeah, that, 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 that's my thought as well. And that seems to be the shared thought amongst the fan base for the most part. Uh, you do have a few fans that feel like the series is over and, you know, it's time to evaluate the off season, but yeah, I mean, literally had a discussion with a, a guest on locked on stars today that, you know, you win game three. And even though, you know, the stars have found themselves down two one in every series of the postseason, Minnesota had a two, one lead over the stars. Seattle had a two, one lead over the stars and Dallas was able to, to get back and eventually win both of those series. So I think you nailed it. If the stars can win game three, which I think they can, because again, you said it, they're not getting blown out. They're not getting overwhelmed by Vegas. It's, it's close games. And I think that's what people expected. Even, you know, our colleagues at locked on Vegas golden Knights expected these games to be close Overtime it was expected, I think, in at least a few games, and we've gotten them in both. So, I mean, the, the Stars team has, you know, gone through a lot, and they they also do have a veteran core that has been in these situations before. And a, a lot of these guys, I don't think, are, are going to let the moment become too big. Uh, they realize that, you know, you have to win four games, and Vegas is already halfway there, but a, a good homestand here. And, the, it, you know, it's not too far-fetched to believe that the Stars can win both of these games, three and four, They've been great at home in the playoffs. The only times they've lost have been in overtime to Minnesota and Seattle in game one of both of those series, respectively. And outside of that, they, they've been nearly lights out, especially Jake Ottinger at home. So I think the expectation is that they, they come out and they play. They, I mean, they have to play their best game of the postseason because this Vegas team is too deep. They're too disciplined. and They're too well coached uh, to you know not take advantage of mistakes, which is why I think the Stars lost the first two games they did make those mistakes in critical moments and that golden knights team is just loaded with with you know some world-class players i mean jack eichel yeah. in his playoff debut has lived up to, to the hype and lived up to the expectations but jonathan marshall has eight points in the last five games uh william carlson ha has been just all over the ice in this series but even you know their third and fourth lines are, are making an impact so i i expect this series to at this point, go the distance. I, it would not shock me to see the Stars even this series back up and then watch this series go to seven games. Uh, and then, you know, it's a shame that the winner is probably going to have to play the Florida Panthers who just refuse to lose games 
uh, the rest, you know, in this postseason. But either the Stars or Golden Knights will have to cross that bridge when they get there. But Game Three in Dallas should be an exciting atmosphere. Uh, I know Stars fans are excited to to be back on home ice and to get to cheer the Stars on because they know that the Stars have done well here in the postseason. But that's going to just about do it here for today's episode of Locked On NHL. Seth, if you want to take a moment and let the people know where they can find you uh, and find your work and get all things that they need for Locked On Wild and Minnesota Wild coverage this offseason. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Seth Topes, um, T-O-U-P-S. A lot of hockey thoughts, a lot of just other thoughts in general. Um, Locked on Wilds is the name of the show. You can just search us on YouTube, on your favorite podcast platforms, and you'll find uh, all of our latest episodes. We're in full off-season mode, a lot of off-season questions for the wild. So diving into those, if you are curious to hear more, make sure you follow along and uh, we'll give you every answer you're looking for, uh, for what should be a pretty busy off-season for the Minnesota wild. Absolutely. And for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Dane double underscore Lewis. And if you're interested uh, in anything Dallas stars related, you can search for the locked on stars podcast here on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast at, uh, as well as on social media, just search the show name locked on stars, either on Twitter or Instagram. And we're of course following the team as they continue on here in the Stanley cup playoffs. And I'm hoping my, my next recording will be coming after a stars win with the team uh, reasserting themselves here in the, the Western Conference final. But the, that, that will, we'll have to see what happens in game three. But thank you again for tuning in and making Locked On NHL your first listen of the day. I hope you have an incredible Tuesday, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. But, of course, you can continue to listen uh, to the other episodes that come out this week, tomorrow, as we shift from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. Uh, all the NHL updates you need around the league from the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day.